Good morning, church, NNC family, and guests out there today. It's good to have you on with us, and I pray that you have a blessed Easter, uh, blessed Resurrection Sunday. Uh, today is a special day that we celebrate as Christians. Uh, every Sunday is a celebration. It's a gathering together as believers and just being together and loving the Lord and worshiping Him. But this is a special Sunday where we remember specifically what Jesus did for us. And we just give him honor today. And we just give him all the glory he deserves today. Today is the day that we celebrate just him. This is about him and about his purpose here on the earth, what he did, and about the cross and about the blood. And we bring those elements in to other sermons, but today we just honor you, Jesus. I just want to say it out there that we honor you and all those listening. Just take some time today. Uh, if Easter for you is just painting eggs and bunnies and chocolate, then put aside those things for a moment and remember that today is the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose again. He went to the cross for you and shed his blood for you. And today, he rose again for you. He is the first. The Bible says he is the first of the resurrected. He is the first so that then we can be resurrected with him. And we just thank you, Jesus. I just want to say it as a thank you to him. Uh, Jesus, we thank you. And we thank you, Lord, that you rescued us, Lord, from sin. You rescued us from bondage. You rescued us from this world, and you rescued us from the grip of Satan over our life. We just thank you, Jesus. And so out there listening, I just pray that you have a blessed day. I want you to enjoy this day with your family, but remember him there with your family. Remember him with your meal today as you're eating and just doing a normal Sunday for some of you, but I know many of you out there, many of you listening, you are already making this a special day. I'm just asking uh, anyway to, to uh, put aside some time and really remember what Jesus did for us today. Don't just let it be a Sunday or let it be a meal. And uh, if you are still uh, kind of stuck in your house, it is interesting because this week lined up with Passover, and that is uh, pretty significant because Easter doesn't always line up uh, exactly with Passover. But in the Bible, in the biblical story, uh, they were together. They were, in fact, one story. It was the picture of how God had passed over the Israelites in Egypt because of the blood on their doorpost. He told them, take some blood from a lamb and put its blood on your doorpost, and that will protect you when uh, the death angel passes over Egypt to judge Egypt, because God was bringing all these plagues and judgments on Egypt, and he was dealing with Egypt for uh, them um, basically uh, making Israel slaves. Israel was a guest. They were guests there from Joseph. Joseph actually gave them all their prosperity. Ironically, the, uh, all the wealth and the prosperity that Egypt had was because of God's people. And after uh, these 430 years, uh, those things had been forgotten, and the people who actually brought Egypt their blessing were forgotten, and they had become slaves. So God was on a rescue mission for uh, the Israelites, and he said, put the blood over your doorpost because I'm going to deal with this world system. Well, I'm going to deal with this person, the Pharaoh, who has uh, made you his slave. And the Lord uh, gave us a picture uh, of with Egypt of what he has done on the cross, what Jesus did by his blood, putting upon the doorpost of our hearts so that when uh, death passes through this world, 
we are not touched by it. And at the same time, uh, God is judging. He's not judging. Uh, I don't want to put anything on the person who is still struggling in their sin. He's not judging the world, the people. If they stick with their sin, then the person will be judged. But he's not judging the person. He's judging the sin. We only get judged personally because we don't let go of our sin. And the one who instigated the sin, the one who inspired the sin the very first time, and we did it, it was our nature, our free will that did it, but Satan inspired it. And so the cross, just like Egypt, is a picture of God dealing with the one who held his people captive, and Jesus dealt with Satan. So that's really the picture of the Passover uh, uh, on the cross, that as God came in to deal with Satan and deal with his world system to release us from it, uh, uh, on that very night, those who stayed in their home under the blood were protected. And so today, we just uh, celebrate this week. We've celebrated it. And today, we celebrate our deliverance, our rescuing. It was by the blood of Jesus upon the doorpost of our hearts. I'll say it again. Uh, and by that blood, we were trapped. We were captive. We were slaves. But by that blood, we were set free once and for all. In fact, uh, uh, Pharaoh was forced. I mean, he was compelled to let the people go. He was forced to let God's people go. And the blood of Jesus has forced the hand of Satan to take his grip off of your life. He cannot hold you any longer when a person repents and says, Yes, Jesus, you are my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Take my life. I want to live for you. That blood that was shed 2,000 years ago on the cross is put upon the doorposts of your heart today, uh, bypassing time. The blood 2,000 years ago is is today on your heart, right here and right now. And it's an amazing, amazing thing that God did. It's unbelievable, in fact. It's too hard for our human minds to fathom. And I'm going to just touch on some of these things today in a very simple Easter sermon, Resurrection Day sermon for you. But it is so incredible, so unbelievably incredible what God did for us. It was the greatest rescue mission of all time. If you're out there and you like uh, novels and you like mystery uh, movies and or series and um, you love how uh, the uh, good guys get into trouble, we don't like that part, but it happens and you love how uh, they're they're stuck and they're in trouble and there's a a, a a mystery going on of 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 who is who and who's the enemy and and uh, finally uh, the rescue happens and they're free and Jesus really uh, is the greatest story that was ever told. Any movie, any book, any story that's been passed down, all the covert spy uh, stuff that happens, even real-life stories that are happening, they don't compare to the rescue mission that happened on the day that Jesus' blood was shed and uh, brought a rescue to his people. It's the greatest rescue mission that's ever been done. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. And I just want to go through some of these verses with you today. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. We're going to look at the book of Matthew. 
and you can read uh, this story in the other Gospels as well. But just for simplicity, we're going to read Matthew, and um, I'm going to just start here. And I'm just going to read some various verses. If you have your Bible, you can just try to follow along. But I'm going to be reading in uh, chapter 27. I'm going to be reading from 33 to 66. I'm not going to be reading every verse. So just try to follow with me as I'm kind of skipping over some of the verses just for sake of time. But you can read through all those verses yourself today and um, just kind of go with me. And then if you want to go back and read those other verses uh, for time, you can read them yourself later. But we read there that it says, And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And after they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. So they went out to Golgotha, the place of the skull, and they nailed him to the cross. Now it says the people passing by shouted abuse. They were shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. Now, this is a very uh, significant part of what I want to get to us today, and it's this. It's that the people looked at Jesus on the cross, and they judged the situation by the moment. I want you just to think about that. They judged Jesus by the moment. And it says, you said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him the same way, and at noon darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. About three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lima, Sapitani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. I want to note that in Luke it says, Father, I commit my spirit to you. And in John it says, it is finished. And those are all valid things. I don't think them saying that the Gospels say different things are contradictory. I think that they're all writing down the things that they heard, and uh, but he, he basically, let's just pull all those things together. He's like, Lord, I'm here. I've done your, the job that you asked me to do, and I'm committing myself to you. And then Jesus suddenly knew, okay, I know what's happening right now. I'm about to breathe my last. It's finished. I've completed the mission. And it says, At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split apart. The Roman officer and other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened. They said, This was truly the Son of God. And as evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, 
who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. So Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. What's interesting to note here is that they were aware, even the priests who didn't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, they didn't believe that he was the Savior, the Messiah, but they did remember him saying that he would die and then he would rise again in three days, which is very interesting because even the disciples, uh, it appears as we read the Gospels and the end, uh, the last chapters of each of the Gospels, that they doubt that it's Jesus risen from the dead, and they don't seem to remember, and Jesus is reminding them in each of those Gospels, hey, I told you this. And the priests knew it, and yet they still didn't believe him. I just think that's an, an interesting note. But so what they do is they seal the tomb. So I just want to make some notes here, and as Christians, we know this story, but it's good to hear it anyway. And if you've never heard this story out there, if someone told you, hey, listen to this, uh, this is a true story. We believe this is literal, that Jesus was actually killed. He actually died. He wasn't uh, just in some sort of comatose state and then woke back up, hey, I'm still alive. He died, and they put him, they wrapped him up, they, en they entombed him, you know, they, they did the, the burial uh, ceremonies. They they uh, put spices and and um, and all the things that they would do in that time to uh, treat the body for the grave for death. And then they sealed the tomb. It says the tomb was sealed, so it was done. It was finished. He was dead. He was in the grave, and it was sealed. And as far as everyone knew, the disciples had dispersed and. The uh, soldiers are standing guard, and the high priest, they think it's done, it's finished, he's in the grave, and Satan thinks, I killed him. And as, so at this moment, uh, it, is, it seems that this was uh, an interesting character. He was um, uh, maybe special, he was maybe a prophet, but he's just dead now. He's gone. And, and so it says that uh, we can pick up the story in chapter 28, verse 1, that early on Sunday morning, and I'm just going to be reading through 20. I'm just going to be, again, skipping a couple verses for time. Uh, you can go ahead and read the whole chapter yourself. But uh, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Come on, Christians out there, you should be getting to your feet right now and clapping and saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, because something amazing began to happen. And that's not a religious thing. We don't do that because we're religious. That, I mean, is something that bubbles up out of us. Praise God. Praise the Lord that he did not leave Jesus in that grave. But something began to happen. The earth began to shake. The angels 
are there and rolling aside the stone. And they sat on it. It says, His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. And I want that to be noted again. Just as he said would happen. Even the religious priests knew that. And it's amazing how they knew it. But so many times, uh, and this is going to be a part of my sermon today, that as Christians, we forget the things that Jesus said. And if we thought more about the things he said, and we didn't judge the circumstances and our feelings, we would be at much more peace much of the time. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But the disciples didn't know what to think. We know, and I'm not going to preach on that today, but we just know from the scriptures that they end up going fishing. Jesus comes and finds them fishing. They don't know what to do. They're not quite sure how to move on. Their leader has been taken from them. That's what they know at this time. But he had said it, and he did it. And I would need you to hear this, Christian, and the world. If you are listening out there, and you don't believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter if you think it's a true story or a fake story, uh, true news or fake news, uh, you need to understand something. When God says he'll do something, he's going to do it. He said he would come to redeem them. He said he would rescue them. He said he would die and on the third day rise again. And he did it. And with that said, he said he's going to come again. Jesus is coming again. He's coming to find his church, to find his bride prepared for him. And that is us, the Christians, those who have repented and given our lives to Jesus. He's coming again to look for his bride, to find his bride prepared in white for him. He's coming again. You need to know, listening out there, whether you believe it or not, Jesus said it, and he's going to do what he said. And that's exactly what happened here. Just as he said, the angel says, just as he said he would. Just as he said he would. So it says, Come and see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's messages, and as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. It says, But some of them doubted. And Jesus, obviously, we know, shows them he gives them some signs. He lets them touch him. He lets them. He, he eats, and and he and then he. It says here in the Matthew account. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. And I'm reading all this because I want to get to this very last line. And be sure of this: I am with you always even to the end of the age. So Jesus was crucified. It is a fact. He died. It is a fact. They put him in the grave. That's a fact. They sealed the tomb. That's a fact. And just as factual that he was dead, clinically dead, clinically sealed away in that grave, Jesus rose again. And I know as Christians, we know this story 
so well that sometimes we forget how incredible this story is, that that stone, the seal was broken. Come on, Christians out there, we need to get excited that Jesus not only broke the seal of death and broke the seal of the grave, but Revelation tells us he's going to break some other seals. He's going to break some seals uh, in time and in the world as we know it, and he's going to come again and redeem us from this earth. Amen. If you're listening out there, you can amen. That's okay. You're allowed to do that. And then he tells us, I am with you always. See, he came to them, and he and they doubted, but he came to them, and he gave them a mission. He commissioned them, as we know, and then he said, I am with you always. We must not forget what Jesus did here. And why is this so significant? First of all, if I just end it here, that's Easter. That's resurrection. I could just end this sermon right here and just, we've read the story and I read it slightly abridged just for time, but we've read the story of Jesus being crucified and Jesus being resurrected. That's this day. That's what we're celebrating. But there's a another half to this sermon that is so powerful and it's this that Jesus well you didn't know what he was doing and while you were sleeping Jesus was busy working it says in the darkness let's just think about this picture in the darkness of the night in the darkness of the night Jesus his body was starting to shake there was something beginning to happen. Something supernatural was beginning to happen. They came and they found him at early dawn as the sun was rising. So in the darkness, something in the unseen, something that you were unaware of, it was closed off. It was You had no idea what God was doing. Nobody knew what God was doing. And even, even the religious tried to prevent it. Obviously, they were inspired by Satan. Satan was trying to prevent Jesus from uh, suddenly reappearing with some sort of trickery. But what he didn't realize is that God was going to do something supernatural. He didn't need to uh, trick Satan with an earthly scheme and be rescued by the disciples because God is great. God is mighty. God is powerful. He is above it all. He was before time and he will be after time. And there was a resurrection that was beginning to happen in that body and in the darkness of the night. And the picture that we can see what was happening in that grave is something supernatural that is happening even right now in the unknown, in the darkness, in the confusion, in your worrying, in your fear, in your, in your maybe even just your disappointments, in your frustrations, in your wondering, where is God? Where is Jesus? Where is my Lord? Or, or if you don't know him, you might be just saying, where's hope? I don't have any hope. I don't have any reason to live. I don't understand. I don't get it. But Jesus was busy working. He was busy doing something. There was something beginning to happen in the unseen. Something was beginning to move in the unseen realm on your behalf. And Jesus was about to come out of the grave and stand alive for us forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And then he gives us this promise. I didn't just do it this time. But every single time that you need to be rescued, I'm going to rescue you again. Every single time. And you may be in moments like this where you're confused. You don't understand what's happening. What's going on? Where is the Lord? But you need to know that if I did it this time, I'm going to do it again. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's very significant that those were his last words here to them that he gave them these words as his as some of his last words here i am with you always we need to understand today that jesus has not left us he has not forsaken us we need to believe the bible and i've been saying this over the month and in fact it's part of my message always but that he never leaves us he never forsakes us he always 
has a plan and a purpose. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, his plan and his purpose for you is always good. You need to know that, Christian, out there, that his plan for your life is always good. It may not look good. It may not feel good right now what is happening in the earth or in your body or in your situation. But because I believe the word and I don't go by feelings, I don't go by the way that I perceive and I'm looking and I'm making perceptions and I'm thinking and I'm calculating and that's our human mind doing that all the time. I choose to bypass that and believe his word and his word tells me that it's always good. It's for our good. Everything works together. All things work together for our good, for the good. For the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is doing something and he made a promise to us that he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. And I want you just to think just for a few moments here. And I just want to just open up just a couple of verses. And I'm not going to carry on for a long time today. I'll let you enjoy the rest of this day with your family if you're listening in the morning. If you're listening in the evening and uh, all the family is done, then spend some extra time with the Lord. Begin to uh, go through these verses a little bit deeper and just let the Lord speak to you and show you how amazing he is and that he is still God. God is still God. And I and it's a very uh, it's a line I say a lot as a pastor but I really mean it. It's not a fill line. I'm not just filling time. God is still God. He is still God. God has not suddenly lost his throne. He has not lost his place uh, in, in, uh, in, in heaven. His, his throne is not tipped over. He is not surprised. He is not confused. God is not confused. Uh, he is not concerned uh, if he'll be able to accomplish what he said he would. God is not trapped in time. God is not far from us, and there is nothing hidden from God. God is supernatural. He is above, and if you love that song like I do, he is the way maker. If you haven't heard that song, I want you to go and find it, and you can find it on YouTube or iTunes or whatever music service you have. It's Waymaker. And it's, and it's really who God is. It's, it says it's who you are. He's the way maker. And, and so I just want to just say a couple of things today. If we look at this world and we look at all the horrible things that go on and happen and the atrocities and the murders and the rapes and the child molesters and the thieves and the fighting and the bitterness and the jealousy and it leads to more murder and more junk and more mess, we could be... Uh, tempted to say, where's God? Where's God of this? Where's God in this time? And if God were real, he would not let these things happen. And I think that as Christians, uh, the world says those things, but as Christians, we need to be very, very, very uh, careful right now not to look at, and, and I say this so often as a pastor, but not to look at the surroundings and judge God. But we must look with a biblical perspective. We must look from a different point of view. Because, and this is where I want to just get into just for a few minutes. When they walked by Jesus on that cross, that's why I read those verse. They scoffed. Nobody thought that Jesus was going to be able. And maybe they were testing him. Maybe they thought he was able. And let's just see. But they they, nobody thought that he was able to do what he said he would do in that moment when he's still on the cross. And they, and they, and they just stood there and they scoffed and they didn't think that uh, Jesus uh, was able to do what he said he would do. And the world we know certainly says those things. Where is God? I don't believe in God. Look at all these horrible things. Look at the things happening on the earth. And what I want to try to get to us today is that God is doing things behind the scenes all the time. God is always 
doing things behind the scenes. And in fact, the sinners that point the finger at God and judge the sin, let's say the sin of murder. Let's just pick on that one because, you know, that's the possibly the harshest sin of sin. And, and I don't believe that there is a list, but in our human minds, we're going to maybe put murder at the top. And so if we were just to pick murder and we say, okay, murder is the greatest sin. So the sinner, uh, which is everyone in the world, right, without Christ, we just don't realize that. But we point our fingers at the murderer and we say murderer and we say, you know, God, where were you? Why did you let that happen? And what's happening is, is, is if God was to deal with that murderer every single time in that exact moment, where does God stop? And I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna make a, a finite point right now. I just want you to just to, just to think for a minute. I just want you to think, and I'm not even gonna come to a conclusion. It's purely just to get us mind our minds just thinking that God is greater than us he's bigger than us uh, if God were to judge that murderer then to be fair uh, why does he not have to judge those pointing their finger at the murderer and at God and saying God why did you let that happen why didn't you do something because God is looking at them who don't even realize that they have sin. In fact, Jesus said, if you have anger in your heart, you have already murdered. So the person with anger in their heart is pointing their finger at God, why God didn't deal with the murderer, but they don't even realize that they're in grace, that God is not dealing with them. And I'm just, I just wanted to make that uh that uh, that thought. I just wanted to put that thought out there that there are things that God is up to and doing that are beyond your uh, knowledge, beyond human wisdom. It's actually God's grace, and this is hard for us to get. This is going to be a hard statement to to really to uh, be okay with, but it's God's grace that. He lets bad things happen. Because if he were to deal with all the bad things, then he would have to deal with every single person on earth and there would be no one left. It would just be the end. That would be the rapture. Because all that's left are those under the blood. Nobody is good, Jesus said. No one, not one. Now, I just wanted to make that point that, that God is greater than us that there is an unseen world. There are things happening in the unseen. While Jesus was in the grave, some things were happening in the unseen. And we need to understand that that picture of those three days of confusion, of wondering, of, of okay, God, now what? Uh, God was not suddenly asleep. Jesus didn't take a break. He wasn't like, okay, it's been 33 years. I'm going to take three days off. I at least deserve three days off. No, Jesus was busy rescuing us from Satan and delivering us out of the wrath. And so there are things, and I just pose that question because there are things that we don't understand and we point our finger at God and we debate these things and we try to figure it all out and really we shouldn't. We shouldn't. But I do have a scripture here that says in Second Peter 3 verses 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think. I love how the NLT translates this. It's so clear. It's so easy to understand. It says, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to be or to repent. So, there are so many things in the unseen and that we just don't 
understand. And I want to just make a couple of statements that God sees everything unjustly that's done. It is being loved in heaven. It's being loved. God is logging all the unjust things that are being done. And he will deal with every single thing. Ultimately, and, and as Christians, we should pray for this. God wants them to repent. He wants even the gross murderer that we just can't we just can't seem to find grace for him. That doesn't make sense, but God actually wants him to repent. He does not want that person to go to hell. Uh, but God sees it. He will deal with it. He'll give an opportunity for repentance and the victims and those associated with the victims will have a chance to look at God, to ask for grace, ask for mercy in their lives, to be able to deal with the situation and actually have a chance to grow in it in a, in a strength that is greater than the human strength because humans can't handle those things. So I don't really want to go any deeper into those thoughts. I just wanted to make a point without really a, a final point, just, just get our minds thinking that there are things that we will never understand in our human mind, but we need to know that that's what God has been doing since the beginning of time. He's been working in what the Bible calls the mystery. There is a mystery about Jesus. Now, it's become clear uh, there's no mystery in this, that and this is the, what has become clear, that his blood redeemed us, that through his blood, we have salvation. Through repentance of sin, under the blood of Jesus, we have salvation. That has become clear. But it was a mystery until it was revealed. And there are many mysteries that are still being unraveled. And God has his reason for being mysterious. And I just want to point some things out to you today. There was a reason why God was mysterious about the cross. And I'm just going to pull up some verses here, if you just bear with me. I have a lot here in front of me, and I don't want to babble too long. I want to just keep this concise and keep it to what the Lord wants to say today. Uh but let me just pull up some verses here. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. It's his, it says it's his plan that was previously hidden. So it was hidden, and then it was revealed. Even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Now, that is such an immense statement. It is so big, it would take a long time to break this down. So, I'm not going to get into the depth of this verse, but just on its surface, how incredible. Before the world began, God had a plan, and he kept it in mystery, even from his prophets, even from the angels, uh, they did not understand. The scriptures tell us that they sought to understand, but they could only see parts and pieces of this thing that was going to happen, some sort of a rescue, some sort of a Messiah. There was a, there was, um, uh, it was kind of veiled to them and hidden to them for a purpose. It says in verse 8, the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. I want to speak to you out there today. Jesus was busy on the greatest rescue mission of all time. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, the mission was put into action. It was already in place. God had it in his filing cabinet ready to be pulled out and implemented. Just, you know, just bear with me with my, uh, <laughs> with my, my light and my poetic license I'm using here, but he pulled out his plan and it began to be implemented and it took time. 
and it took, in fact, thousands of years. Now, to the human mind, you know, we just don't get that. We can't understand that. We can't understand the human mind cannot get why the Israelites had to be slaves for 430 years. The human mind can't understand why it's been 2,000 years since Jesus died and promised he would come again. And in fact, the scriptures tell us that one of the signs of his coming is that scoffers, isn't that interesting? Because they scoffed at Jesus on the cross. They scoffed at him on the cross because they didn't understand what was actually happening there that he had to die, if he had listened to them and come down and said, hey, I just rescued myself, then he wouldn't have fulfilled a mysterious plan that God had behind the scenes in the darkness. It was hidden. It was veiled. He was doing something behind the scenes that was amazing and powerful and mighty and for our sake. And in the same way, it says that scoffers will point their finger and say, look how long it's been. He's not coming. And that's, in fact, one of the signs that Jesus is coming again soon when they start saying that. Isn't that amazing? And so God has a reason why he is mysterious. God has a reason why and we just don't, it's not worth it. You will end up putting yourself in a tough position spiritually. It'll be much harder for you to break out of a self-imposed prison when you go down the road of trying to figure everything out. And even, I don't want to even, I don't want to talk about this virus any longer. I think we're all tired and we're ready to get out, but it is happening. And we're, we're praying that, uh, that those that are working, uh, on the, uh, on the front lines, would be protected, and we're praying that those that are suffering would be delivered quickly and that this thing will end. But during this time, you know, we can uh, we could try to wonder what is happening, what's going on. Uh, you know, this one and that one are working, and there's, there's this conspiracy theory, and there's that conspiracy theory, and all these things, and we try to figure it all out. And the thing is, uh, is that we will never, ever, on this side, it says we see through, depending on your translation, but shaded glass through sunglasses. We see in part. We see right now in part. We don't have the whole picture, the full picture. And there is a reason for that. We're looking and judging the hard situation, the confusing, confusing moment, and the hard times, and let's just make it real for every moment of your life, every time you're struggling, you're going through something, you're in a serious situation, and if you judge God too quickly, if you judge the situation too quickly, you're going to get yourself into trouble. You're going to have to then go back to the Lord and repent when He finally does deliver you, and He will, because He promised He will every time. You're going to have to repent that you didn't trust him and that you tried to figure it out and take it into your own hands and, and, and tried to work it all out when he just wants us to rest and watch him do what he's doing behind the scenes. And that is exactly what was happening on the cross. And that is what is happening all the time. God has a reason for uh, the things that we don't understand. It says if they had understood it, if God had been clearer, and now he even told them, I mean, we just read the verses that the, the religious leaders knew that Jesus had said, I'm going to rise in three days, but they just thought it was some sort of plan or some sort of plot to, you know, to trick the people into Jesus being something that he wasn't. They didn't even understand, and, and Satan is putting Jesus on the cross. We know that because Satan entered Judas, who betrays Jesus. So it was Satan trying to, uh, who implemented this plan, and God is behind the scenes using this situation that is so bleak. It is so dark. I mean, I just, I can't even, if you've watched The Passion, I can't even, my mind cannot compute God 
allowing his son, allowing his only son, allowing him to be beaten and, and mocked like that, allowing him to be so mutilated and so just, just the scum of the earth, so uh, just destroyed to, to an unbelievable place. And it was for a purpose that couldn't be understood. It couldn't be understood because God was doing something behind the scenes, a cosmic spiritual war between life and death, between Satan and his fallen kingdom and the kingdom of God to rescue us. He came into that dark cell like the most elite forces, like the Navy SEALs and special forces of the world. He came into our dark cells He in the night when everyone was sleeping and when nobody knows what's happening, just like those elite forces out there. And maybe you're one of them listening, but they go into the darkness. They go where no one else wants to go and no one else even understands what they're doing. And everybody points their finger at them and accuses them. And they're this and they're that. They're too harsh. They're, they're too secretive, etc. Everybody's got an opinion. And meanwhile, they're going into these places and they rescue and they had a ransom in their hand. And they left with the captives free. And that's what Jesus did on that cross. It was the greatest rescue mission that's ever been told. He rescued us from the grip of Satan. And Satan turned around and didn't even know what was happening. He thought he won. He thought he finished. And maybe Satan thinks he's winning in this world right now. Maybe he thinks by killing people with this virus, he's winning. Maybe he thinks by getting people trapped in fear and losing their homes and losing and crushing this economy that he's won. But Jesus is still alive. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He is not dead. He has not been defeated, but he has defeated Satan. And maybe right now we don't understand what God is doing, but God is busy doing, just as he always has been, something mysterious, but something miraculous for your sake, because that's what the word of God promises us. The world thinks he's asleep. The world thinks he's dead. Satan doesn't know what he's doing, but God has a plan. Jesus had not died. Jesus was alive. In fact, I could say so many things, but there's just a few other verses here that I want to say. They uh, had said in Luke chapter 24, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus appears to some of the disciples and he keeps himself um, hidden from them, his identity hidden just for a few moments and let them talk to him. And they say something so interesting to him. These are some of Jesus' disciples. They say to him in Luke chapter 24, verse 21, we had hoped. It says in verse 19, he was a prophet. He did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher. And he, and, and, but in verse 20, our leading priests and our religious leaders, they handed him over and they crucified him. In verse 21, it says, we had hoped, past tense. We don't know what's happening. He's gone. It's done. Even the disciples were confused and they didn't understand what God was doing. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. It says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned. So they had hoped, but God had planned something. It says, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. It's all part of the plan. But if you judge the harshness of the moment you're in. If you judge the moment of confusion, of death, of destruction, even of atrocities that your human mind just can't get 
And even Satan doesn't know what God is doing. But God is up to something. It is part of a plan. He sees every single tear. He sees every single fear. And God has a plan of rescue for you. It says in, in Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says, He wants all or everyone to be saved and to understand the truth, verse 4. And verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. So, they, there is a hope sometimes that is lost because we don't know. But we need to know that Galatians says that it was planned and it was a rescue planned from before time began. And at just the right time, it was implemented. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Jesus went into the kingdom of darkness just as he will go into the kingdom of darkness today and continue to rescue. And any ground that the devil thinks he won in your life, in any battle where you feel like you've lost, you've, you've messed up, you haven't done what you felt like you were supposed to do and you've been battered and you've been scoffed at and you just feel like you're a nobody who's done nothing and you need to know today that if you have lived your life for the Lord or if you repent today and give your life to the Lord, you need to know it doesn't matter what you think or what it feels like. You need to know today that Jesus is still Lord and he is still working behind the scenes and that there was a plan of rescue. He will go into those dark places where maybe the enemy has trapped you even today, and he will rescue you and transfer you into, it says in verse 13, into the kingdom of his dear son. It was a kingdom transfer. It was a rescue from darkness into light, a rescue from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. It says, who purchased our freedom it was a greatest, the greatest rescue mission and ransom of all time for who rescued our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. In verse 20, and through him... God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I don't even want a commentary there. Those verses, if you need to rewind and listen to it again, those verses are so powerful. They really say it all. And in verse 26, it says, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. And the book of Revelation says, and Jesus pointed even in the Gospels, that there are many other mysteries and secrets that God is unraveling and he's still working. Do not judge your situation today. Do not judge a God by what is going on in the world right this minute, but look at instead 
just as Jesus told his disciples to do, to look to the scriptures, to believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is alive, that when he said he would die and come back, that he would, and not to look at the grave, even though your mind says that doesn't make sense. He's in the grave, but he's not in the grave. You just don't know that. You don't know what Jesus is doing, but he's doing something that is great and mighty and bigger than you could possibly understand, and he's still doing that today. He will rescue you from every single thing the enemy tries to put on you. You will be freed. And there are many other verses you can read yourself in Hebrews chapter 2 and in Revelations chapter 1, and, and there are others. But those are some things you can go ahead and read those chapters yourself and just read about who Jesus is still. Not just what he did once. He wasn't just some guy who did something once. And it is not just that he went to the cross 2,000 years ago. But the real thing that we celebrate is that he's alive. Not just we don't celebrate that he died. We celebrate that he was resurrected. We celebrate that Jesus is present tense on the scene. He is with us always. He is working right now. Jesus is working today. He is not working just yesterday, and, and now you'll just let the dice roll and see what happens, and let's just see how you do, and let's just see if you can figure it out. But he is working at every single moment of every single day. We just don't understand it. If I can get one thing to you today, I'll just close with this. If I can get this one thought, if I can just get this one point today, Jesus was not sleeping while his body lay in the grave. He was busy on the greatest rescue mission of all time. It wasn't expected, and it wasn't seen. It was done in the darkness, in the night when everyone was asleep, just like those secret covert missions of all those elite forces around the world, and he rescued us from our slavery. God is your deliverer. He is your rescuer, and he will rescue you from every situation that you face, including the one that you might be presently in right now. This thing might be affecting you harder than, than someone else, or maybe there's something else that's affecting you, and this virus is nothing because you're dealing with something else right now, but the Lord is a rescuer. He's done it since the beginning of time. He is before time, and he loves you, and I just wanted to say that Dawn and I love you. We're still praying for you, church out there. We love you so much. And Jesus loves you so much. And I just want you to be encouraged today and enjoy this day and enjoy the Lord today. Bless you. Amen. I'll see you again soon.